Here we are at the last episode of season three. And before we begin, I wanted to say thank you for taking the time to listen to all these incredibly powerful stories of the many layers of grief and the grieving process. We're going to take a short pause in the season, but we'll be back in a couple weeks with a few more stories I collected. We'll call it season three, part two, if you will. And if you want to hear part two of this season before anyone else, come and join us over on Patreon, where you'll get inside scoops to not only the storytellers themselves, but the stories that they tell. Until then, here's the last episode. Get ready to be inspired. My name is Riley. I'm an expert love educator and relationship coach. I now have a thriving business where I guide couples and individuals to teach them exactly how to create successful relationships. The reason that I became the world's first love educator was because the beginning of my life was very voidant of love. I have a, a story that takes me from being abandoned at birth to becoming a six-figure boss. Stable, nurturing relationships are essential to healthy development and can provide us with a sense of security. When someone feels like they've been abandoned, it can leave them with lasting trauma. Hello there. You're listening to the What's Your Story podcast. I'm JD. Abandonment trauma can interfere with emotional development and make it difficult to form stable relationships. Understanding as much as possible about abandonment trauma symptoms and how they impact your life can make healing easier. Abandonment trauma can significantly impact your mental well-being and the time period it occurs in your life can be a determining factor in how it affects you later. Love can survive and not only survive, but thrive. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because 
your your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. So I was born into this wonderful world to a father that didn't want me. He abandoned me when I was an infant and left me to sleep in the snow. When my mother came home with me from the hospital, he told her that she no longer lived there and he didn't want anything to do with her or with me. He had already found a new partner um, and wanted to live his life with her. And so my mother and I didn't have anywhere to go. She asked my sisters, who were just a few years uh, older, they were, you know, 12 years older, so children at that time, to build us a tent in the backyard. And that's where we slept until my mother figured out Plan B. This was the most unloving way to enter into existence. (laughs) And it's... It's a beautiful idea, honestly, now to think about how far I've come and to know that I've been born into the most unloving situation. And now I'm able to teach people exactly how to love and how to care, um, sort of making up for what I had lost as, as a child. I always heard growing up that my father was a deadbeat. He was a horrible person. And as a child, you don't understand what that means. You just see it as, where is my dad? And I've always had that question of, where is my dad? And I'm sure he loves me somewhere. You know, I'm sure he misses me. This is this is a child self-soothing. So I had no idea what he had done. Um, and my mother found it very difficult to tell that story to me. Um, there were even worse things that happened or equally as bad things that happened, which were uh, my my father has three daughters outside of me and a son, and he abandoned them as well at one point in their lives. He left them as children to survive in a house completely alone without any parents for over a month. He didn't buy them food. He didn't take care of them. They simply were just in a house by themselves as children trying to survive. So this is something that I didn't learn about until I turned 32. So it was something that I knew, I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. One of the most egregious behaviors a parent or any caregiver can do to a child is to abandon them, allowing them to suffer alone. The damages done to the child when grown are significant and should never be ignored. Let's define abandonment trauma, though, for a second, just to get a better grasp of what we're dealing with here and what this story really means. Abandonment trauma can be defined as the behavior and emotional response that someone has as a result of experiencing severe neglect or harm in the form of abandonment. It can happen at any time in life, and feeling physically or emotionally neglected can be deeply painful. While trauma may occur after one specific instance of physical or emotional abandonment, It can also result from both perceived and unintentional abandonment as well. All children are entirely dependent upon parents or caregivers for their safety in their environment. 
when these caretakers fail to offer support and meet the child's needs emotionally and physically, they're said to have abandoned their child. When parents abandon their children, their kids grow up feeling unsafe in the world and feeling people cannot be trusted. These unsafe feelings lead to the child experiencing emotions where they feel they do not deserve positive attention or adequate care. For many children, abandonment is physical and can include lack of supervision, physical or sexual abuse, narcissistic abuse, the inappropriate offering of nutrition, inadequate clothes, heat, shelter, or even housing. For other children, abandonment takes the form of an emotional neglect and abuse when parents do not give their children emotional conditions and environments that are necessary for their healthy development. A child is left feeling inadequate, rejected, and damaged, needing to hide themselves away from others, knowing who they are on the inside. Abandoned children are left believing it is not okay to make mistakes, that it is not okay to show their genuine emotions, that they should not have needs and that it is not okay to be successful. So I, along with that, so that was just the beginning. Um, the story does continue to where I was with my mother and my stepfather, so the father of one of my sisters. And we lived in a house of horrors. There was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of neglect. Um, my mother was in a financially abusive relationship. She didn't have the means with three children of her own to leave this very abusive man. And so... I knew that trauma firsthand um, as, as, as a young child. I did experience that, and I do remember those moments. So I don't remember the infancy, obviously, um, but I do remember being up until 12 years old in this very abusive uh, environment. So with that experience, there was a lot of trauma that came after that. So there was a, you know, there was a lot of time between then and, and who I am now, <laughs> and me being able to come out of that for me is a blessing. Um, honestly, I, I don't know exactly what it is within me or, you know, it's just um, statistics, but I was the one that got out because I do have a lot of mental illness in my family, um, a lot of alcohol abuse, um, alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, my family has suffered because of this continual generational trauma, generational abuse, um, generational poverty as well. So I was the one who was able to, to get away from this. So I was the one who was able to look at this and say, I don't want that. And I'm not sure where that came from and why that happened to me and didn't happen to some of other family members of mine. Um, but I was able to see it sort of on the outside looking in saying this is this is unacceptable yeah so because of the environment that i grew up in i suffered from anxiety and depression um i never had anything um i mean those are severe but i never had schizophrenia for example which some of my family members have i've never had anything like that um but the anxiety and the depression were were so extreme that i decided one day i was going to take my life I decided that the suffering was too much for me to handle. Um, this was after I left home at 16 and tried to make it in the world on my own. And I said to myself, this is, this is there's too much suffering going on. And I, I was able to get uh, a house and a car. I was studying two degrees. I had two jobs. 
I was labeled as gifted when I was younger. I excelled greatly and very quickly in school. And leaving home at 16, you have the street smarts. So I was able to take care of myself. So on the outside, it looked like I had everything. But in the inside, I was absolutely miserable. I hated myself. I hated my life. I hated what had happened to me. I hated my father. I hated my mother. I just hated, hated, hated. And all that hate consumed me. And so when I decided to go into a hotel room and decided that that was the moment I was going to take my life, I actually looked myself in the mirror and I said to myself, do I want to die or do I want the suffering to end? And in that moment, I realized, oh, those are two different things that if I could create a life for myself that was connective and without suffering and purposeful and joyful, doing all the things that I wanted to do and experiencing life in a different way, actually, that's something I do want to be a part of. So it's not that I want to die. I just don't want to suffer anymore. So I realized that I had the book smarts and the street smarts. And the other thing that was missing is called relationship intelligence. And this is the practice that I work with every day. It's the ability to have a positive and connective and thriving relationship with yourself and other people, that this is actually more important than any of the book smarts and the street smarts, you know, because this is, this is about our mindset and our mental health, which fuels everything else that we do. So I have recovered from the anxiety, from the depression, but I always say that I have a sensitivity that I have to wake up every morning and do my meditation and do my yoga practice and journal and do, you know, exercise and eat healthy and, and keep myself on this path because I have that. It's like the scars of trauma, you know, and, and I'll always have scars. My husband, for example, he, he had a quote unquote normal, healthy upbringing, you know, nothing too traumatic. And so he can just you know, if he wanted to, he can just live his day the way that he wants. Right. But for me, I have to make sure that I'm, that I'm overriding those negative thoughts, that I'm constantly saying the right affirmations and watching my inner talk and watching myself talk, um, to make sure that I stay in alignment with the positivity in my life because the darkness can, can creep in sometimes. So I have to push myself in the other direction. It's never too late for help or healing. But that often takes a kind of trust that's hard to come by if your childhood was hard. And it also means being able to grieve. Yet sadness can seem immense, like you might drown in it. It's hard to grieve alone. If you can't grieve, it affects your whole life. You're living with a broken heart and might not even know it. Maybe you keep telling yourself to get over it or not to trust again. There are good reasons to think this way, but you have to admit you aren't very happy. If you haven't had help, it's not all uncommon to still be suffering. You're doing nothing wrong. Children need secure love, not broken promises or betrayal. And when you didn't have secure love, it can have lasting effects, but it's not impossible to heal from it. With my work, I do a lot of features. So I've been on tons of podcasts. I've been in magazines, um, on blogs, radio stations, things like that. Um, I say that I, I've built my business to six figures without spending money on ads. I, I do it by building relationships. And part of that is 
doing these different kind of media features and connecting with people. So I would say in an average week, I tell the story at least four or five times. <laughs> so I revisit it every time I talk about it or I write a blog about it or, or something like that, or I send a pitch with the story in it. So I'm constantly talking about it. Um, and the difference between now and then is that now it's like telling you a movie that I saw. I'm so disconnected to it emotionally um, because I've healed from it so, so well, it's like telling you, you know, because it's just a memory. A lot of times when we suffer because of things that happened in the past, the traumas that we have, it's because we relive those moments. We put ourselves emotionally in the past. But with relationship intelligence, one of the things that we learn to do is to recognize mindfulness and recognize the beauty of living in the present, that I'm not that little girl who was being neglected. I'm not that teenager that was being abused. I'm here. I'm 35 years old. I'm, li I'm living a wonderful life. <clears throat> and those things that happened to me, they were simply part of my story. That when it comes to suffering, we all suffer and we all feel pain. Some people in different ways than others. But when I think to myself, I was abused, I was neglected. Well, this is just a part of life. And if it didn't happen to me, you know, who else would I rather have happened to? <laughs> you know, it, it, it just it just is. This is the experience that we have by coming into this world and saying, OK, we're willing to participate in this experiment, if we will. You know, when we come into this world, we're just sort of handed a set of opportunities and a set of traumas and a set of this. And, you know, our job is to make the best of it as we can. So. Now, when I, when I think about it, I'm so excited and I'm so happy that I was able to go through that journey and, and come out on the other side and living a thriving life and then teaching other people how to do that as well. So it's a moment of joy for me. It's a moment of pride to say, yes, you know, you made the right decision. Um, it's a moment of relief that I am 35. I'm not nine years old. You know, I do have my freedom and I am making good choices and I am taking care of myself and serving others. Part of my journey was rewriting that tape in my head because we have a lot of thoughts that come out of our emotions without critical thinking. So we think I'm never going to be good enough. You know, no one for me, it was no one loved me. No one will ever love me. Um, so we have to rewrite that tape. And the way that I did that, because I didn't have parents that said positive, inspiring things to me, I didn't grow up in an environment where people encouraged me. So I didn't have that to pull from. So I had to find it. So I actually started watching motivational videos and speeches from people like Tony Robbins and Les Brown. And I put their, their words in my head, you know, because I just had the words of you're not good enough, you'll never be anything. And I, and I changed that tape literally by hearing people like, like Les Brown and, and Tony Robbins saying, you can do whatever you want. And, you know, the world is yours and all of these positive things. And I think one of the most impactful statements that I heard was, what are you going to do about it? And I ask myself that almost every day, what are you going to do about it? Because in relationship intelligence, that's self-management. So we have self-awareness. How do I feel? I feel frustrated. Okay, what are you going to do about it? 
Am I going to smoke a pack of cigarettes? Am I going to eat a tub of ice cream? Am I going to yell at someone? Am I going to throw things? Those are the things that I used to do. I used to be a person who, when I got frustrated, the anxiety got so strong that I would throw things. It was the most liberating feeling in the world. <laughs> now I think they have like these places that you can go and you pay and then you can like match them. They didn't have that when I was younger. Um, I should have went to those, but I would do it in my own house because that was the release that I had. But not recognizing that that's a choice, that if we can take that moment to say, I'm feeling frustrated, how can I respond to this in a way that's going to benefit me? What am I going to do about it? Because I can't control what other people do, what other people say. I can't control a pandemic. I can't control getting hit by a car, you know, losing my job. These are problems and problems are a part of life. I say, you know, get with the program that again, once we say I'm going to participate in life, we have to accept that problems are a part of life. But the question is, what are you going to do about it? And so recognizing that I had a choice. And I always have a choice of how I respond to the things that happen to me. And I can choose to respond in a way that's going to benefit me or a way that's going to harm me. But that choice is there for me to make. So what are you going to do about it? I ask myself that every single day. <laughs> it's really important to understand that if you have the awareness to recognize that something can change then it's your responsibility to take action. And for me, I was blessed with the gift of awareness. I knew when I was about 12 years old, something is wrong here. I've never really seen a thriving family, but I know that this isn't one. And so that gift of being able to be aware and recognize that things could be better, it was then my responsibility to take that action and to make my life something really beautiful. When you find this kind of clarity, when you begin to feel the feelings you've blocked out, your sadness and your anger, you can talk honestly about all your failings. You can face the reality of the past, not blame yourself anymore, and see the negative voices in your head for what it is and why it exists. When you find this sense of relief and peace, it offers you a safe haven for your feelings. You can finally cry and more importantly, grieve for all that you lost as a child. And after, you'll feel a freedom you haven't felt, just as Riley did. And I thank you for listening to this. And I thank you, most importantly, to Riley for showing us that out of this, you can find happiness and the real self you haven't been able to be. The self you will feel safe bringing to all relationships, or you'll leave them if you can't. Because... Yes, now you can. It's just as Riley said, if you stick with it and have a place for your feelings and your grief, you can take on the world. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background music by Chad Lawson. These beautiful stories, though, that you've heard are yours, the listener. And if you've got a story you want to share, I want to help you tell it. And you can do so by heading to FragileMoments.org slash tell your story. If there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, let me know at at story sharing pod over on Twitter. I always love hearing from you listeners. Above all, thanks to you for tuning in 
once again to What's Your Story and helping me shed some much-needed light on mental illness. Any show, big or small, but especially this one, survives based on reviews from you, and I would love nothing more if you head over to Apple Podcasts and give this episode a review when you're done processing all you've heard today so that others can see how important stories like these are to share. Thanks for tuning in to Season 3, and I look forward to hearing your story one day real soon, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song, yet unsung. <laughs>